I actually have a bit of advice that I will give you, podcaster to podcaster, okay. that I've just figured out. Just figured out tonight yeah. is uh, if you have any spicy questions that you want to ask your guest, you can first uh, have plausible deniability by soliciting from the audience the questions that they want to hear. <laughs> And then you can ask, <laughs> you can ask your guest and you can blame it on the audience. <laughs> Sherry from Minnesota wants to know about Cardano. Oh, oh. okay. <laughs> Sherry, Sherry from Minnesota. Yeah, I think I know, who, I think I know who that is. <laughs> um, I'm obscuring the actual origin that that's kind of a hybrid of two characters that have contributed questions tonight. <laughs> yeah. I know where the, I know exactly where the kind of no question is coming from. Um, um, what is this? Yeah. I worked you for, mentioned- yeah. yeah, I worked for, um, Charles Hoskinson for a little while for his, his project, um, which is Cardano. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I, I, I mean, is there a question about it? <laughs> Well, I, I think I think he was just trying to he Sherry was just trying to be provocative because um, I was still listening questions. Yeah. But I, um, you know, I I, I do wonder because I, I think a lot of people are sometimes a little cautious or shy about you know everybody's kind of going through a process of learning and exploring, and I think it's rare among people who are kind of learning about this stuff, you know, anything in this kind of new frontier to to really you know have total clarity from the first time they see it and kind of know the path. There's like a lot of like meeting people, exploring ideas, trying to figure out what's truth. And like, I think, you know, after long enough, eventually we all converge on kind of similar things and we expect the world will converge on that similarly. But, uh, but sometimes it takes some time and, and iterations and you, you know, hear from people that you might otherwise trust. So um, I wonder what, you know, I don't know all the story about that, but did you, did you kind of go into that, when was it? That was that was a while back, I guess. Did you go into that kind of already prepped on knowing? Kind of, you come to your conclusions and you were kind of exploring it, or what stage were you in your sort of path? I was already a maximalist, as you as you as you'd say, um, before I, I worked for for Charles. Um, uh, but like, I also have bills bills to pay, you know. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, so so I. Uh, I basically, um, hoard, hoard myself out there. And, um, mm. um, but it was, it was, it was like a, it was actually, it was a really fun time. And, and it's not like, yeah, I mean, say what you will about Cardano, but, but I think anyone who's really looked at the, the research that they've done, uh, I mean, they have some really serious research there. And, and I, I don't, okay, there's like the economic side of things, which is whatever. Um, not that interesting to me, but, um, the, the research, some of the research they did was, was like super interesting. Um, uh, the crypt, cryptographic work that they've done. Um, they've got some really good cryptographers like Mario Langeria in, um, Tokyo Institute of Tech. Um, they had this, um, guy from Brazil. Oh, I forgot. What's his name? I forgot his name. We just used to call him director of Shitface. Cause he was the guy who got everybody drunk when we went out. <laughs> uh, but he's, but like a really good cryptographer. <laughs> and, um, yeah, those guys, those guys produce some like serious, some serious cryptographic work. Um, and I'm not a cryptographer, so whatever, but like, um, but some of the things that they did 
has been useful. Um, yeah. Um, so and- yeah, it's it's at least it's not all bad. It's not all. I mean, I mean, yeah, call it a shitcoin. Um, but even shitcoins do interesting things sometimes. Mm-hmm. And and I I see your hat, and I assume you're being provocative again with the ordinal's hat. <laughs> did you uh, did you want to comment on uh, the, the purpose of the ordinal's hat? Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's performance art. Um, <laughs> so like, <laughs> I went to uh, the um, shitcoin conference in Hong Kong after Nostrica. And, mm-hmm. uh, there, there was like, there was a few ordinals parties there and they were giving out hats. So, um, and it, everyone hates ordinals. So I've been wearing the hat around all the time. <laughs> what about the inscriptions though? <laughs> um, I think inscriptions are like, cause I think this is, this is opening up. It's, it opens up. I mean, inscriptions have always been possible. Uh, not always, but like, you know, recently, um, um, but no one's because nothing has really like blown the door off socially off that. So n- no one really thought about it and, and mm-hmm. it, no one was motivated to really do anything. Um, and now it's like, okay, cool. So things are possible that people generally speaking didn't think were possible. Mm-hmm. And so more people are thinking about what you can do with that. And so I think, I mean, I don't know when it, when ordinals first happened, I was like, awesome, cool. Because, because now over the next six months, we're going to see like a whole lot of innovation. Um, as people, as it sort of percolates through and yeah. some of it's good, some of it's bad, whatever. Um, and okay, fees are high right now. It's annoying. Um, but like, but like fees are going to be high ultimately anyway. Or I mean, if Bitcoin continues to, to be adopted and, um, and fees, fees need to be high actually, but that, that's how I can get into that. But like, um, but it's good little practice run to see what happens when fees are high and get everyone thinking mm-hmm. about what what we're going to do about that exactly. And, and, uh, I don't think like any of this ordinals or the new BRC 20, like what, anyway, I don't think, I don't think that's here to stay. Um, right. because, because it's going to get priced out by stuff that's actually like not, you know, stuff that's real and solves a real problem. Um, um, cause you don't need, you don't need to be, I don't see anything so far with ordinals or BRC20 stuff or what, any of that, um, or inscriptions even. I don't see anything there that anyone's doing, which really requires the degree of security that Bitcoin provides. I mean, the degree of resistance against the state mm-hmm. um, to let you do things that the state or the central banks don't want you to do. Because that's really what, what the value proposition of Bitcoin is. It's, it lets you do things that that nuclear powers don't want you to do. And they will do everything right. possible to stop you, but Bitcoin kind of let, lets you do it. So, like pitch pictures, like NFTs and stuff, like that's not governments don't care about that. <laughs> that's right. They care right. about being able to print money, and mm. yeah. So and they they and like and like they care about securities law and stuff like that. So for 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 reasons other than they what they say they are, but like, but I mean. It's getting around those things, which is what Bitcoin can, can do. And, 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 and being like the cornerstone or the foundation of, of a decentralized architecture. Um, it, right. So it sounds like you're it, sort of sympathetic yeah. to the idea of running it as a way to sort of test how the, the fees work and sort of test how block space works. And, and, you know, is, is block space too full? Is it too empty? Are fees high enough? Are they too low? 
sort of it's just an organic experiment that we get to run before it really matters? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good little test run. Um, uh, and also, like, I mean, it is an open permissionless system. So, yeah, we can all fight over it and do what we want with it and see what happens. And hopefully it turns out well. Um, if it doesn't, then we're all in a lot of trouble, but hopefully it'll be fine. Right. So, so it sounds like you, you've mentioned, you know, some of the sort of censorship resistance and state, um, you know, kind of state, uh, defensive technology reasons for, for Bitcoin's existence. And, and obviously Noster has, you know, a different architecture, but also, you know, some real, you know, De decentralization of control and decentralization of censorship that might otherwise accrue to the state in kind of some some bad situations or scenarios and i think i think you've you've game theory these things out before uh you know when we were talking before i think we talked about stuff like that um and i wonder like do you is there can you point to like a motivating factor in your experience maybe it was you know a long time ago but something that really drives you toward working on these kinds of problems and being interested in these kinds of problems? Like it, it started from just, I just, ha, I just have like a really, I don't want to be controlled by anyone. I don't, I really hate the idea of being controlled by anything or anyone telling me what to do or like I, I, the, the idea of authority. I don't know. It's sort of, it's sort of like, why, why would you be able to tell me what to do? <laughs> like what? I'll make my mm -hmm. own decisions. Um, and then that, that sort of, that sort of, like it just kind of, like I have like a deep disgust for a deep feeling of disgust when when someone tries to like control something. I don't know. I just I I can't really. It's sort of an emotional thing, I guess. But yeah, I mean, and even um, at a distance, like if they're not doing that to you, but they're doing it to other people, you still kind of have that same that same reaction. Um, no, because other people can make their own decisions of whether they want to be controlled or not. Um, some people want to be controlled. But okay. Like that, there's, you can make a case for it, but like, I just, I just, I, t to me, it's like, it feels very kind of evil or, um, cause it's always like, first, it's all, like the control is always happening to benefit who's the person who's in control. And mm -hmm. like, it's usually that's the case. Right. And, and like, I don't know, I just like the whole corporate, I don't know. It's kind of like, I don't know. There's some, I'm struggling to put it into words. It's more of a, an emotion. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, is that something and, that came about that, like, is it, have you always felt like this? Like you've always kind of had this, this perspective where you sort of discovered it at a few key moments in, you know, through some experiences you had? I think I've always had it. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I don't remember a time when I, I didn't have it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and you, uh, took a, and you took a life path that if I understand right, you, um, you, you weren't born where you are now, but you've sort of integrated into a new a new life or society i don't want to don't want to share too much i think i think some of it is public <laughs> or you've shared publicly but <laughs> you know what, what is there anything in that that sort of points to some of your motivations or guiding light in how you like w where you choose to spend your time uh yeah i i like to live in places where there's good infrastructure um and a and i'm just pragmatic right so like good infrastructure good access to stuff that I want. Like I need, okay, if I want a new computer or I need a new monitor or something, I want to be able to get that easily. I don't want to have to mess around. Um, mm -hmm. And I want to be able to get it cheaply. Um, I like things to happen quickly. Um, mm -hmm. Like I want to be able to ex execute quickly on things. 
And so I like places that are fast moving. And also just because it's like, like, like if, like I went to, whenever I go to, for example, New Zealand, um, I, or, or Australia, um, if I spend like an extended period of time there, like I can feel myself slowing down and kind of getting dumber mm. because everything's mm-hmm. slow. So I don't know. I like to live in some, somewhere where it's fast, um, or at least spend a, lo- a lot of time somewhere where things move quickly. Because uh, it kind of gets you thinking quickly and gets you active and gets you doing things. Um, uh, but also, um, yeah. Um, and also not, not like tyrannical places, of course. Um, like I need an open internet. So China is basically ruled out. I lived in China before, but, um, but the internet just annoyed me too much. Um, everything else is Were you doing like VPNs amazing. and everything and, and yeah, remote yeah, and, and that proxying? Yeah. But, but that stuff, like they're really, really good at, they're like really good at, um, stopping stuff. So they do like, um, uh, they have like a machine learning algorithm that like every, every packet gets inspected and, and it gets run through like a machine learning algorithm to, to, to classify it like a classification algorithm. Is it like a something... networking layer, like in the router or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then if something doesn't fit an existing classification, it gets flagged and then they look at it more closely and usually block it until they figure out what it is. Um, like they, they've got to be the most advanced in the world at doing this stuff. Like it's insane. So that, so I'd say like that's their technology. I'm ranting, but their technology will be probably that kind of technology is like the kind of tech that like, like the US and everyone will be, we're buying off China to hmm. deal with their, their own internet problems. Um, um, How anyway, yes. Yeah, so- um, d- does the you know the features of Nostr sort of the way that Nostr connects you know people and information and content is very very different from the way kind of you know the typical DNS and kind of front end back end database architecture works. And I wonder like is is the stuff that maybe China's doing at the packet layer pretty um, pretty adaptable to kind of the techniques that Nostra uses or would they have to just sort of like rebuild a lot of that or other ways to get to the same stuff? Um, they can turn Nostra off like very, very easily um, within China, no matter what you do with relays and stuff. But what I think, I think the way that it'll play out though is that um, they won't want to do it. They won't want to turn it off because... They won't want to. Yeah. Because um, firstly, it's... NOS is going to be profitable. There's going to be businesses building up around it and it's going to be part of the economy. So, and they don't want to slow that down. Um, um, and, and, and also it's fully transparent. So if you want privacy, if you want secret messages, if you want secret organizations, you're not going to use NOSTA. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, mu- there are much, much better ways to do it, but for open and, and I don't think that's the point either. That's not what it's for. It's for, an open permissionless system like Bitcoin. So like, um, so, okay. So that lets the government see what people are thinking, which is mm-hmm. the way that they use social media. Now, the way that China uses social media now, the way that the government uses it is, um, you say whatever you want. And then if you're a small time person, it doesn't matter. Um, and then things sort of like percolate up and then like issues percolate up. And then at some point they get big enough where it's where the government will then, um, where the social media companies slash government will, um, will, will put it like put a pause 
on that discussion until they figure out what they're going to do about this problem. And then they announce what they're going to do about it. And then the discussion continues. Is this um, through a method of that's kind of like the same mechanics that we might be familiar with from Twitter? So things like a retweet or something that it, that's how it would bubble up into kind of the, the, the yeah. broader audiences. Same, same kind of concepts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some more sophisticated stuff, but, but yeah, it's basically the same thing. Um, yeah. So they it sounds like you're saying the, the state and the, and the technology companies are more closely aligned or kind of more the same entity. Usually is that the case? Not the same entity, but like every technology company in China has, has, um, party members that work for it and they have influence over policy. Um, and to, to, to more or less degree, depending on the company and depending on like the, the department within the company and stuff like that. So like, and also just like, I don't know, in China, like, like a very, so like in, in the, I don't know what the numbers are, but like in say, for example, the US, um, there aren't that, not, not a very high percentage of the population is like a member of, of a, of a political party. Um, but in China, like pretty, like a very large percentage in comparison is a, is a member of the, of the communist party. And, and so like you end up with like a, with like a situation where the representation within the government is actually quite a lot higher, which is why you have, if you look at the, if you look at the polls in China and there are objectively, uh, there, there is objectively useful information there that you can find. Um, the, the approval rating of, of the communist party is like always higher than the approval rating of any party in a, in a democratic country. And in, in, in reality, I mean, not, it's not mm. like a made up thing, but you can find real data. And the reason for that, I think is just because like everyone's in the same party, <laughs> like the whole, um, like the, the membership within that party is so big. And so there's so much influence over the party coming from the ground up that, that it sort of, it kind of works out. And, um, Anyway, and that's also why, that's also why, um, there's like official representation within these tech companies. There's official representation from the party, but there's also representation from the ground up, um, mm -hmm. from that, from that other angle, if, if that makes sense. So, so from that party, they have representation within the tech companies or the platforms that would be distributing the information. Yeah. And, and so you mentioned that because, on Noster, there probably will be big businesses built that there will be a lot more of a kind of a hands-off approach to letting these things grow and flourish. Is that is that the right way to think about I it? I think I think that firstly, it's not on the radar at the moment because it's right. not big enough. Um, and when it does when it does come onto the radar, it's coming on the radar under the scope of like Web three. From a government perspective, Nostra is kind of part of the Web3 thing. And so they see it as more as an economic business thing rather than a, anything else. Um, mm -hmm. and so do the, so do the venture capitalists and so do the builders for the most part, like in, in China. They're all coming from that perspective. And so, and so they're looking at it like we can build stuff. We can make money here with this. And, um, uh, yeah, it's, and, and once something makes money, it's kind of hard to stop in China. Um, mm -hmm. because like there's all the incentives, all the, all the, it's like a self-fulfilling system then. Right. And, um, yeah, it's difficult to get a, get a lid on that. Do you think uh, the so I think making that's, money stuff in, in Noster is going to feel similar to the way making 
money works outside of Nostra? Will it be more of a, a Bitcoin native way of making money? Yeah, I think it's going to be totally different. I mean, we're seeing things now, we're seeing like there's some projects that have got venture capital and we'll see how that goes, but I don't think that's the right approach. And I don't think that's, I think it's just, that's like an anti-pattern um, hmm. uh, in terms of Nostra and Bitcoin because uh, it's sort of like adding friction. And um, and then there's like the grants kind of thing, but that has its own problems and it, which are similar to the problems you have with bounties where like it just becomes centrally planned um, to some degree at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and I've been working on another way uh, to do it, um, which you can see on, on Nost Rocket. Um, right, that's but like, Rocket. But like project, that's right? a, yeah. Um, um, and that's a, that's a, that's a different, a different mechanism. Uh, and, and, but I think there's going to be other ways too. Like I think, I think people will figure out like, cause we're, we're trying to push towards what the market is trying to push towards is like less friction and, and also, and which means, which means less central planning. Meaning at the, the government and level is pushing towards. No, I just mean, central I just mean in, oh. no, I mean in, um, in businesses. Um, oh, okay. like the more central, yeah. the more centrally planned you are, the more, the more you, uh, run into a problem, uh, with Armdale's law, um, which I think I probably mentioned it in the law uh, mm-hmm. when we were in Costa Rica. Yeah. So, yeah. You, so I mean, like, yeah, that you have all these synchronization points and people can't work without permission and stuff like that. So, so I think, I think like the best way to work on a project is you communicate through action, which means communicate with code and, um, find a way to work where you don't need any upfront consensus on what to build or how to build it. Um, cause that'll give you then an edge over everybody who's working with like a centrally planned thing, um, where you need permission for things and you need to wait on things and you need synchronization points. Um, cause that prevents that, that means less people can work on it on something at the same time. Right. So th- this, this is kind of consistent with what I think traditionally we've seen in the open source world, right? Like that's kind of the, not centrally planned, kind of the you know cathedral versus bazaar. It's kind of the bazaar style of yep. uh, contributions, right? And and then if I yeah, so yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, um, you, you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so in in Nostrocket, uh, if I understand right, the the goal is to add more of like an economic layer on top of those contributions. Is that is that kind of one of the main things, kind of versus the generalized open source ecosystem? Is that kind of trying to create the right sets of incentives and alignment to, to make money work within that, that kind of system. The goal is that, that anyone can work on a, on a project and contribute to it. Um, and then the, the revenue that's produced from that, from that work, um, is fairly distributed to everybody who contributed to it. Um, and, and, and the work can be done without any synchronization points. Without any, without any shared mutable state between people working on it. Um, or at least to the, the, the least degree possible. Um, but the, the main thing is it's got to be, it just, just like Bitcoin is, is pristine. It's fair. It's totally fair to everyone. Um, that's, that's, that's the way. And you don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the goal. The goal for NOS Rocket is the same thing. It's pristinely fair for everybody involved in a NOS Rocket project. You don't have to think about how to collaborate with people. You don't have to think about, you don't have to agree with, agree with anybody. 
because um, it's there's nothing to agree about. You just either you work or you, you do something or you don't do it. It's up to you. Um, mm-hmm. Same and, like and Bitcoin. When you yeah. start having, you know, I think with with value, it's kind of everything's very in a sense fungible, right? Ideally, and so kind of you know even with the fungibility, there's you know some people who would have questions around the fairness. I I agree with your assessment, but um, but I think a lot of people have different intuitions around what is fair and with with fungibility even right so with uh with you know a piece of work is like non-fungible right and how do you think about that getting that non-fungible work to fit into a system that people would agree is fair like how do you build that kind of consensus i think everyone has a fairly good idea of how much their work is worth in term, uh, they at least know what it's worth to them, whether they will do it again, um, mm-hmm. like like what they will need in return in order to keep doing that, like what's sustainable to them. Um, and then, so you can put that out there first and then see how people react. Do, do your peers agree about that? Because they're also mm-hmm. working on similar stuff and they know if you're, they know if you're full of shit or not. So, um, and I think, so if your peers are like, yeah, that seems about right, then, okay. I think that's about right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and then you just add all that up together. Right. So, um, and then, I mean, like probably, probably like, I don't know, some percentage of, some percentage of, um, people are honest actors most of the time. And some percentage of people are just psychopaths. And the trick, the key is to have a system where you keep psychopaths out because they offer no value. They only take value. Mm-hmm. Um, so you keep them out. So ch- cheaters, you keep the cheaters out so that everybody else can just get on with work without worrying about it, without protect, without trying to, without needing to s- spend time thinking about how to protect themselves, uh, from mm-hmm. the freeloaders. And, um, cause that's, that's why, like, like, what's the point? What's the point in working within traditional legacy civilization right now. What's the point of contributing to civilization right now? There's no point because somebody else is in control. The, 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 uh, not, not somebody else in control, but somebody else is like, someone else is gatekeeping civilization. And Mm -hmm. so you're working towards their goals. If you walk toward, towards civil, if you work towards, if you contribute to civilization, now you're contributing to, um, like the bankers basically. So mm-hmm. like, or, or whoever, whoever it happens to be, but like you're contributing to people who don't contribute and, um, to a larger and larger degree. And it's like, okay, well, and we, and like, like I got, like, I don't know about everybody else, but like I got excluded from civilization that I helped build during COVID. I was told I'm not welcome anymore because I didn't want to mm-hmm. get the mRNA vaccine. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Then I'm not contributing to it anymore. Why would I contribute to that? So um, right. now, now that the, the cards have been, you know, everyone's put their cards on the table now. It's like, okay, cool, got it. I understand. Right. Well, I would just work up, work on my own civilization, <laughs> which is, I right. think, Bitcoin and Nostra. And then, but we're missing yeah. the economic component. Um, but that's what I'm trying to do. But yeah, um, I mean, we all have to do our best, <laughs> what we can do. So other right. people will have different approaches, and we'll see, we'll see what works. So it seems like if if you're thinking about these coordination systems for building a, a new, better civilization, we have, say, Bitcoin at the kind of money layer to try to prevent people from manipulating kind of the money system. 
and then we have Noster at the communication layer to try to uh, you know prevent people from censoring or suppressing speech. And then is Nostrocket, does it have an equivalent? I mean, the best I could guess is, is it something of like a securities layer, like a, a new type of way of thinking about the securities system? Or or is that is that kind of the right analogy? Or is there something else, a, a different layer to sort of think about it? Yeah, I guess securities or like companies or governments or like any kind of human organization. Yeah. Okay, um, so it kind of touches on but I'd say, broader than just kind of the company idea, but even just how, how would a new how would a new government work? That that would be something that Nostrocket may well I, may be able to. I, yeah, I mean, you with. wouldn't. Yeah, I think like yeah, you wouldn't need. Sorry, I kept butting in. Um, um, I mean, I don't see. I guess there are things that that you kind of need governments for to some degree but i think most of the things that governments currently do could be done by just the market and so from that angle this this is an alternative to government um i don't know i don't know you know we'll see how it plays out but like i don't know i don't know what things it's i know that there are things that it's not applicable to and there are things where I'm not sure whether it's applicable to that or not. Like, like it's, mm-hmm. it's like whether, whether it's applicable to like physical. I, I think, I think, yeah, when it comes to Nostrocket, I think, uh, the best thing to do is like not talk about it and just, uh, mm. and just see, you just see what it can do. And when it's, when it, like, when I actually, right. like, don't get too, whatever it is it, that you can of, use it. <laughs> right. Focus on some of this. Yeah. Right now. So yeah. Do, do you yeah. have kind of, I've, like a almost a, a petri dish version of a, of a of what a nostrocket may seek to accomplish or how it might be defined or specified so that you know maybe maybe a few of us who are interested could gather around and try to contribute and participate in this way that's what i'm working on right now um like the first and it's going to be like difficult and annoying to use and stuff but I, i'm just trying to get like something that people can actually just use and like it's taking way longer than I thought it would because life keeps getting in the way but but um um but yeah uh, and I've, I have tested so Nostrocket is composed of numerous th- numerous approaches to collaboration that I've tested in the real world at companies that I've worked for in the past and like I scaled a team from like six people to 150 people with no management no management overhead at all using some of the concepts that, that are now in Nostrocket. And like, um, and I have like 200 pages of protocol. Mm. Um, cause I just co- collect, I just, it's kind of like a process of collecting, you observe a problem and then you, you collect rules about behavior, um, such that that problem doesn't happen again. And then, mm. so I've got like 200 pages of that, which, which will be in there. And it's, you don't have to like understand all of it to, to use it. You just, Right. You just need to refer to it, kind of, kind of like the legal system. You just refer mm-hmm. to things when there's a problem. But, but right. like, yeah, um, yeah. Um, have you have you seen anybody so, else who's, I guess, like maybe people who've written about or studied organizational design who have touched on any similar themes that, like the the way, I mean, I I don't know too much about the history of this. I think it may have a, a checkered history, but I've, I've heard of this concept called holacracy. Have you heard of that before? Yeah, yeah. So there's a book called Reinventing Organizations by a guy called Frederick Lalo. And, mm-hmm. um, I read that, I read that like, book, like, I don't know, 10 years ago. And, um, 
yeah, that forms part of it. There's the problems with that, um, but but Bitcoin didn't exist, not really when when that came out. So right. Bitcoin solves a lot of problems there, and it allows you to build a new a sort of like. I view this as the next iteration of that kind of holacracy thing. Not holacracy per se, but teal organizations. Um, um, this is kind of like the next iteration of teal organizations in Frederick Lalo's uh, book. Is teal? I, I, I don't, I'm not an expert at that category of organizational uh, design theories. What is a teal organization? Yeah. Uh, teal organization. And it's been a while since I read this. Um, uh, teal, so holacracy is a teal organization and so is like, it's a type of teal. It's in that sort of category, right? It's like the more, basically the more centralized you are, there's like different color, there's different like colors of organization and like red mm. is like the most centralized, uh, I think, uh, like an army is kind of red, uh, like right. a military. And then like you go like more and more decentralized and teal is sort of like the most decentralized type of organization that we have at the moment. Um, um, and, and is it that's a like, theoretical con- construct, or there's kind of examples in practice where people have done this? There's examples in practice. Yeah, um, there's a few examples in practice. Um, it's an it's a it's a so Fre- Frederick Lalo's work is uh, just an articulation of reality of what he's observed, rather than any anything theoretical. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. just he's just sort of observed, and he just he just noticed these companies like all all working in sort of a similar way or with similar, like they face problems and solve them in a similar way. And um, so he decided to document that. Um, yeah, it's, it's worth reading that book. Um, um, but yeah, like I'm not, you know, that, that I, I think, I think there's, there's problems in the way it, there's problems in the way that Teal, not problems exactly, but like you can do it better, um, like an order of magnitude better. And I think, and that's like, yeah, so that that was one of the that was one of the influences on on Nostrocket for sure. Yeah, and and it sounds like having having the existence of Bitcoin now, we have sort of a common global internet money that that may actually cure for some of the places where teal organizations may have fallen flat or not worked in the optimal way before. Um, more importantly than that is okay. So we need money. We need we need money that no one can fuck with but we also like we need payments that no one can fuck with as well um but mm-hmm. but more importantly we need we need we need uh, uh we need a source of truth we need a, an anchor a tr- mm-hmm. an anchor of truth and, and we need also an anchor of time um and bitcoin provides that so it's like a a market for to me bitcoin is just a, a market for immutability um and it's mm-hmm. also a double spending problem as well but like it's an immutability marketplace. And, um, and so like you have this, the state of a system. Um, if you can anchor that in Bitcoin somehow, then you get, uh, then you get immutability and you like a permanent record. And you also get, uh, something that no one can, well, I guess that's implicit in immutability, but no one can sort of turn it off. Um, and you get the money. So, so to me, it's like the, the, the really Bitcoin is the first time we've actually been able to, it provides a way to build things in a decentralized manner, um, like actually decentralized. Um, so that's, that's, yeah, like the, if we didn't have Bitcoin, then I don't think Nostra would really, really happen. And also I, mm-hmm. what I'm working on would not be possible, wouldn't be possible at all. Um, and so like, yeah, it, it, it definitely makes, it definitely, it definitely, yeah, Nostra and Bitcoin 
enables us to progress that that teal organization concept to to like an, another level to an, an, mm-hmm. an order of magnitude more efficient level um yeah right and, yeah. and but i don't think i don't think um, not i don't think nostr is a oh, go ahead i, I don't think <laughs> nostr is <laughs> um yeah uh i don't view nostr as like the as a censorship resistance thing or a um or a way to transmit data in a censorship resistance way i just view it as a censorship resistant social network rather than a censorship resistance resistant data system it's mm. the social network that can't be can't be fucked with here not the data transfer i think that's what it that's what it really does um yeah, yeah, yeah I, I always call it kind of a new type of web publishing so would that fit in your definition or you think that's kind of outside of the the scope of how you think about it i think it's that as well but i think like the core is really it's the social it's like a uh, yeah, really a social network. I mean, in, in the pure meaning of the term, um, like we're all just neurons in the same network. And, and this is a way where we can, we can have that. We, we can, the participants of the network decide what structure they want rather than somebody else deciding what structure we can have. Um, right. and it's, and it's the first time it's really, there've been, of course, there's been other, other attempts and, Technically, it's been possible, but this is the first time where it's really actually started taking off. So, right. Well, we've we've always proxied our kind of social networking through a domain or an app that ends up storing the data and you know managing our identities for us, you know, on our behalf. But but on the internet, we've never had like a native layer of like what does it mean to be G and what does it mean to be DK. Those those things just don't <laughs> exist as internet primitives, right? Well, and more importantly, what, more importantly, I think not what it means to be G or what, not what it means to be DK, but more importantly is like, what does it mean? What, what is our connection and who, Mm -hmm. and who else, who else is part of that connection? Um, that's the thing that's, that I think Nostra really, like, that's where it really, um, outperforms everything, every other attempt. Yep. And, and I think I saw just about a week ago, you had posted that you, we're kind of on your, I think you were on your one year anniversary from your first discovery or participation in Noster. And I think you were announcing that you're going all in now, which is an exciting kind of step. So I wonder kind of what that, what that process of discovery felt like for you and what, what made you feel like now is the right time. Like you got that kind of conviction that, that now is the right time to go all in. I would have gone all in from the very beginning, but, um, um, if I like, you know, didn't need money. Um, but, uh, I, I, the main difference now is like, so, so when I, when I, when I first sort of got involved, it was, um, so, so that the post you're referring to is like, yeah, um, it was my first post on Nostra and that was about, um, it took me like a month or two to actually make that mm-hmm. post after I saw Nostra. I think that's kind of back then mm-hmm. anyway, that was kind of the, the normal time period that people took between seeing it and doing something with it and um uh yeah so um and then i realized i'd I'd woke up i woke up that morning and i was like oh it's actually because i was like it's may 4th and like may 4th is always like you know may the 4th be with you right kind of thing (laughs) and um internet uh meme culture yeah yeah so like so i remembered that's how i was like didn't i was like didn't my i was like something happened last year and because because i was (laughs) I just remembered like, yeah, something happened last year on May 4th. Like I remember I'd seen, cause about a month before this, 
um, someone, I don't know, someone saw my, or something, someone saw my first post on Noster and was like posting about it or something. And it kind of reminded me like, oh yeah, it's coming up to a, and in months, it's going to be like my anniversary or Nostiversary. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, um, yeah. So, and then I just woke up that morning and I was like, oh, I should probably like write something because it's been a year. And, and, um, and I decided that I'm not going to waste time on other stuff. I'm just going to build things with Nostra now and, um, work on Nostra stuff. Uh, cause like, well, there's big, it's, it seems, it seems to be, the problem right now is that Bitcoin isn't fixing the world fast enough. Mm. Like we're running into problems faster than we're fixing them. And in terms of, in terms of like, um, cause you know, the fi- fix the money, fix the world thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, it's not happening fast enough because the problems are approaching us quick, more quickly than Bitcoin is fixing the world. So like, um, what I'm, what I'm just worried about is that like we collapse into some kind of s- state where Bitcoin is no longer sufficient to fix the world um, mm-hmm. uh, because the social structure collapses first, um, in which case we're going so back to like- before it can get escape velocity? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, something like that, yeah. So I think we need to accelerate this um, like by like a, at least an order of magnitude. Um, mm-hmm. And also the at- attacks against Bitcoin are going to start coming soon. Uh, I mean- you could argue that it's already started, but I don't think we've seen anything yet in terms of right. compared to what what they could do. Um, right. I mean, like it's I mean, we're talking y- about. So, yeah, g- given how passionate you are about this stuff, I I wonder, like, have you have you been working professionally in kind of the Bitcoin sphere before, or was that kind of your professional stuff has always been separate from that? My professional stuff has always been separate from that because, like, no one. I mean, people are starting to get paid now to work on Bitcoin, but like that wasn't the case before. It hasn't been the case, um, at least for me. And, um, um, uh, and, and so like you always need to be working on, you know, a fiat, fiat job mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, and you can only ever do Bitcoin in your spare time, which is fine. I think there's plenty of people. So it's fine for, for that, for that to be the normal way that things are done. But, um, um, but I, I, but I, th- I think it's, it's more like Bitcoin itself can't, uh, by its very nature, it can't adapt. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a bedrock. It's a solid, it's a, it's gold. Like it's, it's, yeah, you can do other stuff with it, right? Like I just mentioned before, but like, but what I mean is like, you can't, it's not a, it's a blunt instrument, not a sharp instrument. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it can't, it can't feel around the edges and solve problems at, at the edges. Uh, very, very yeah, it's kind efficiently. Of slow to move, by uh, and so, but almost, right? yeah, it needs to be. It needs to be. Yeah, yeah. It's designed to be. Um, it's designed to be like. Uh, it's designed in such a way that um, to to make it difficult to make changes without near unanimous agreement between everyone involved, um, without being like forced into it. Uh, without yeah, any which is kind of counterintuitive to, to so you know how most technology works, right? Most technology, you're kind of like running forward fast, trying lots of things in different ways. And then Bitcoin is kind of this very counterintuitive, almost, you know, opposite in every way. It's slow. It doesn't change fast. You don't want to move it. But then I think Noster maybe fits some of the more traditional expectations of, you know, call it move fast and break things, call it, you know, experimentation, you know, 
you don't need consensus in the network. You don't need everybody on the same page. So, so it does seem like like Nostra creates a lot more opportunity to experiment and and try things. Um, so, so is that is that kind of the the same reason that you're sort of getting excited to go all in here? Where I mean, you've been passionate about Bitcoin, but haven't chosen to go all in. Go all in there. Uh, it sounds like you know it, it's never kind of grabbed you in the same way that Nostra has grabbed you. And you know, how are you thinking about? Like, are you interested in building a business on Nostra, or do you think that you know focus on Nostra Rocket in particular, and maybe that becomes a big impactful open source project? Or how do you sort of think about how to have an impact in Nostra? I think firstly, like, yeah, what you say is correct. Um, Nostra is Nostra gives us a way to use Bitcoin in in a way that solves pro- solves problems uh, at the edges, and it can move much much faster now, and um, and in the same permissionless sort of way. So to me, Nostra is just like an extension of Bitcoin. Um, that conceptually, not I mean I mean sort of socially and not technically, of course, but like kind of technically, um, mm-hmm. but in some in some type of category, Nostra is an extension of Bitcoin. And, and so that's why, and I think the fastest, I think the best way to, to work on Bitcoin right now is to just work on Nostra. Um, uh, unless, unless something like serious happens with Bitcoin, but then like something wrong. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, I've been all in on Bitcoin, but just not, not, uh, but then not, um, uh, like, but I still needed a job. <laughs> That's all. So, mm-hmm. um, so now, so now going in all in on Nostra, all, all in on Nostra actually paradoxically, paradoxically means, um, yeah, I need, I need to spend my Bitcoin to like support myself. Um, mm-hmm. but I think that's the right thing to do at this point. Um, and it's good right. for Bitcoin, which, and if, cause if Bitcoin, if Bitcoin doesn't work, what I think we have, we have like we're in. I don't know what happens after that. I don't even want to know. We just it needs right. to work. <laughs> <laughs> I um, agree. And and you were, yeah, you so were that, starting so to that's... address <laughs> some of the kind of risks or problems that you see maybe coming down from kind of the structure of the world or kind of the control points that might emerge around Bitcoin. Is that did you have some kind of hypotheses you wanted to kind of offer around around kind of the risks and maybe there's some near term risks that you've seen or some sort of emergent I mean obviously, you know, the, the the banking crisis in the U.S. and kind of the I don't know how much that's propagated worldwide, but it's it feels very palpable here anyway. Is that the kind of stuff that you had in mind? Um, uh, uh, what I have in mind is a, a more long term, broader perspective of how Bitcoin comes under attack. So the initial uh, up until this point, it's really been in like a honeymoon phase where no one cares about it. That that mm-hmm. the people you know. With power, with power, don't care about it. It's not a threat to them because right. they face threats all the time, and they can only address the most pressing threats. And uh, Bitcoin hasn't been that threat up till now. Um, they're starting to figure that out now, and and these are not these are these people are psychopaths, but and and they're not and they're not capable of thinking very far ahead. But they have a lot of, I mean, they have nuclear weapons. They have, mm-hmm. they have like insane amounts of power. Um, and like this is not the, and, and why we are 
threatening them with like a mortal, a mortal threat. And so they're going to, they're going to do everything they can to stop this. Um, they just maybe don't know that yet, but they'll go all the way. And, and so people who kind of have the, you know, that type of power, but who, who are maybe aware. Cause I think, I think sometimes gaining a real awareness that this, you know, magic internet money is actually a threat to state power in the way that you're saying. I mean, of course I, I agree with your assessment, but I also wonder like how much do you think that's well understood already, or that's just going to become more obvious to people over time? Or how do you think about the, 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 the near term understanding that people with kind of the, you know, the nuclear weapons um, would have around the, risk to their power that Bitcoin represents? I think their level of awareness that they have is going to increase exponentially, especially as... The, so, like, every time... Like, in the next banking crisis that's coming, like, at us, like a freight train, um, like, what happens there? Because is, is everyone going to run their Bitcoin? Because if they do, that's going to... And it's highly likely that they will. It's going to... Okay, the price is going to go up a lot, um, which is going to be good for people who hold Bitcoin. But at the same time, like the people who print money for free, that entire structure, they're going to be like, oh, fuck. <sighs> like they're mm-hmm. going to really see, they're going to feel it and they're going to feel it in their bones. Like this is the end for us if we don't mm-hmm. stop it. And like, and I mean, I don't think there's really a limit to what they'll do. So, so I mean, initially it'd be like criminalizing it maybe, right? But I don't think that's going to work for very long because they criminalized cocaine and weed and it didn't really help um Mm -hmm. um, didn't really you know do anything other than make the price go up uh so when that fails um at some point they're going to figure out that the way and i think it's i think it's fine to talk about this and spread this information because it probably benefits bitcoin more than it the information being out there probably benefits bitcoin more than it benefits these guys um so they're going to figure out that the way to attack Bitcoin is um, to uh, spin up enough hash power whereby they can, um, where they can just censor the network to censor transactions. And originally, I thought that they would just complete, like, censor all transactions to make it useless, right? I mean, like, talk about high fees now, but imagine like there, are, there is no fee you can pay to get a transaction into a block. What happens then? Right. Right. So I originally thought that would be the way that they do it. But I'm thinking now that maybe there's, that they can mine, they can, they can mine, um, for a profit still getting the block reward and getting the fees of transactions that they want to go through, um, and only censor the transactions of people who don't comply with their system. Um, and, but they need a lot of, but they need like dominance. They need, they need hash power superiority. Like, have you modeled out any of what the limitations would look like? Like, I assume getting all the silicon and ASICs and stuff is not just a—it's not just a matter of money, but there's also some, I don't know, manufacturing, shipping, you know, management, installation uh, cost to that. Like, do you do you have any sense of what what that would look like? You're just given kind of some of today's um, today's stats. Um, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I know people who work in some of the uh, like NIST and stuff like that in the US. And, um, and they produce ASICs. 
that they they make if you ask them to make an ASIC though, I, I, and ASIC is not just a Bitcoin thing. ASIC is application specific sure. integrated yeah. circuit, right? So it can it can do anything, um, silicon fabrication, and um, um, yeah, they could they can they can build miners um, pretty quickly. They can spin that up pretty quickly. I'd, I'd say, uh, and they have nuclear power plants, um, and they have you know a whole lot of nuclear infrastructure. I mean, like the U.S. military has has nuclear reactors too. Um, and they're part of the Cantillon pyramid. They require free money. So they're all going to be on the same team trying to destroy Bitcoin or to at least make it something that they control. Um, and so that's why, that's why I think that's why that space, space boy guy, James Lowry, um, that's why he's trying to manufacture consent for the US military to, um, uh, to produce, um, ASICs. Um, so, cause they need them to, in order to control Bitcoin. So get, is this the soft war author? Is that the one? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I've seen a bunch of tweets with him doing his book tour, but I, I don't know much about it. What What's he trying to do? Is manufacturing consent to... Oh, his argument Bitcoin? seems to be... Yeah. I mean, he doesn't say that that's what he's doing, of course. Um, but like that's pragmatically speaking, that's what he's doing. He's saying that the US needs to uh, uh, build up hash power. The U.S. government needs to build a hash power, or the U.S. military needs to build up hash power, and and a whole lot of Bitcoiners are in support of him. And it's like, all right, but you know, like they're going to use it against you, right? <laughs> like mm. they're going to use it to censor transactions. So um, kind of has like pro, network. like an apparently pro Bitcoin stance, but you're saying he's probably taking this pro Bitcoin stance so that he can get the you know marshal the resources of the government to be able to help the government control Bitcoin. I. I think that's, I think that's like way above his pay grade. And I don't know whether he's smart enough to know what he's doing or not, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's like either he's being dishonest and not, um, it's, it's like that thing. It's like, is he dishonest or is he malevolent? <laughs> uh, is, is he, sorry, is he, is he stupid or is he, is he stupid or is he malevolent? Uh, I don't know, but I'm just saying in, in reality, that's what he is doing, his actions. So why he's doing it, I don't know. Right. And how does how does the, you know, I, I think you sit at this position where you have like a lot of exposure to the West and a lot of exposure to the East. And I wonder, you know, you're sort of talking a bit about how, you know, the U.S. might look to, I guess, gain a bunch of hash power. But my understanding is, that, you know, that China had a lot of hash power domestically and then kind of kicked it out. And I think you had told me before when we were hanging out that that, was intentional to help the success of Bitcoin because because China wanted to you know wanted Bitcoin to be more successful maybe is that is that the right characterization or maybe I, maybe I got it wrong? Um, there wasn't there's multiple reasons why they did that. Um, I I think that they are planning on using Bitcoin for foreign trade in place of the US dollar, um, and so they want Bitcoin to work. It's not ready for them yet. Um, but they want it to work and like they understand that in order for it to work, you can't have hash power being centralized. Um, or at least that's bad optically. Um, mm -hmm. um, although I could get into the reasons why that's not the case, but like, okay. Um, so it ended the China, cause there was a lot of China FUD around that time. Oh, China's controlling Bitcoin. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. that ended as soon as they did that. Um, but I think the main reason why they did that was because um, electricity in China is subsidized. 
So the miners were using like uh, subsidized electricity, which the you know the populace has to pay for, um, mm. uh, one way or another. And so they were kind of like, it's like okay, use electricity to, to um, you know, wash your clothes and stuff, um, but don't just turn it straight into money and and then export it. Um, right. Um, I think that's the main. Like it's it's kind of like giving the miners uh, like an advantage over or, or, or an economic advantage over the rest of the population in terms of like electricity um, prices, uh, something along those lines. Um, uh, that was that was definitely one of the big reasons as well. Um, and then, um, but the hash, but like the hash power in China's come back up again <laughs> anyway. Mm. So I think I think the other way. And one other way to look at it is that um, by kicking out the miners and then letting them come back in under like a more under more of a government control, um, now the government has more control over that hash power in China uh, than they did before. So yeah, now so they all kind of kicked out the private corporations like the Bitmains of the world, and now they just do it as government government controlled entities. Yeah, or at least more more controlled by the government anyway um more 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 transparent and controlled by the government so yeah i wouldn't be surprised if um if the hash power that's currently in china is 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 like um uh paying their taxes in bitcoin to the government um hmm. yeah so um which wouldn't have been the case before and i think it's just like they it's just like how china always you know there's not you can never be sure why they do something but like but but one pattern that they always follow is they shut things down and then and then figure it out mm. and understand it and de- and then reopen it with certain restrictions in place or yeah so um that that could be what's that could be the entire explanation for everything here um without any other reasons that that would already explain it uh, but then we have the right. electricity situation and also the um the china fud situation as well yeah right so it sounds like all of all of the the Bitcoin stuff is on the nation state radar, but obviously the Nostra stuff is probably way too small for anybody to notice. And kind of maybe you were saying gets lumped in with Web three, so it has like maybe a lot of air cover yeah. for just being yet another one of those things that so far doesn't seem to and, have much utility. And also, yeah, and and also like and also like and also like Nostra can easily be shut down by anyone who controls the IP, uh, the TCP/IP layer anyway. So they don't have anything like china doesn't have anything to worry about with nosta there is nothing there that threatens the government um because, because china they can turn controls it off like the top level domains in china uh, they control the the networks the the, the ip the tcp ip networks themselves they control all mm-hmm. the all the um all the routing all of the um um every packet um every packet in china is subject to uh government like inspection so they control they've got all that <laughs> like they they don't need to worry about nosta they can there there is no there is no situation where nosta threatens the chinese government it, it's not not in a oh sorry i think we got a delay again um i was wondering do, do any of these other uh you know kind of satellite internet provider technologies you know things like starlink or maybe there's others are those something that seem to be part of the discussion around how the future of Chinese internet might work, or is that kind of, it's all still kind of too small and an experimental or prototype? Uh, I'm not up to date on that, on that 
aspect at all. Cause, yeah. Cause it seems like there's a, there's a, a lot of competition, a lot of discussion around sort of the ability of Starlink to deliver internet basically anywhere in the world. And I think there's, you know, it's probably not super well deployed and scalable yet, but I think it's a goal of the project to be able to do that. And if that is the case, you could imagine that, you know, it, it would be good for Noster to be able to route through that type of mechanism. I mean, there might be other censorship points in the infrastructure there, but, um, but at least it's not kind of part of the existing infrastructure of, you know, maybe the, the firewall and the deep packet inspection and whatever kind of techniques are being used, um, mm. you know, existing, I don't know. I think, I think, I think like at the, in the final analysis, um, China could totally open up their internet, uh, like right now. And it wouldn't really make any difference to anything other than it'd make, mm. it'd make it like more, more comfortable to live in China for people who need, who want people like me. Um, but politically speaking, it's not going to make any difference because like everyone, like the, like Chinese are actually like pretty happy, like generally speaking. Um, they're not going to overthrow the government. They're just like no one wants to do that. Um, I mean, yeah. You have 1.4 billion people. There's going to be some percentage that wants to do that. But like, generally speaking, no one wants to do that. And so like, the, the, and, and also like, p- p- people can see like, like look at the US now, like they're talking about banning TikTok. So like, it's going, it's kind of like, like, mm-hmm. they just kind of like justified everything the Chinese government has been doing for the last 20 years by blocking everything, right? They're like, oh wait, mm-hmm. we need, we need to block things. It's like, yeah, cool. Yeah, we figured this out 20 years ago when you guys tried to do the same thing to us with Facebook and Twitter, right? Right. So like, <laughs> so, so like, and you guys said we're bad for doing it. Okay, cool. Yeah, got it. But like, <laughs> and I think Ch- Chinese Chinese see that and it's just like, okay, like, whatever. Like, you guys aren't really any better than us. And uh, mm-hmm. so you can, um, you could, you could have an open internet in China and like it, the problem, the actual the problem that you would have is not an anti-government problem. It'd be a social problem, just like you have in like the US where you've got like half the country fighting the other half. Like that's mm-hmm. actually the risk of an open, of an open internet in China. That's the real risk. And I think that's actually what the Chinese government is most worried about more than anything else. Um, cause that's not good for anyone. Um, and just every time factions and, and duality of parties and stuff. Or? Yeah. 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 Like they're, they're, they, yeah, I mean, anytime something goes wrong in China, it's like 100 million dead minimum. So, like, mm. they don't want that any more than anybody else does. Um, right. Um, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, basically. So, so maybe not 100 million. Like, the Taiping Rebellion was 80 million, I think. But mm-hmm. that was when the population was like 400 million. So, nowadays, it'd be quite a lot more. Um, so, I mean, like, the, 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 the biggest threat, I think that the Chinese government sees with open internet is really just social instability, more more so than any kind of challenge to their power. So, so if the if China with the technologies at the networking layer can really reduce the impact or usage of Noster, do you sort of do you think like how, how do you get around that, or does it just not matter? You think Noster is for kind of the otherwise uncensored internet? Or, I mean, how do you square it? Because it, it almost seems to me like it's a, a little bit of a sad story that this this kind of breakthrough that we now have social consensus around a new way to do things that 
may correct some of the problems that we have with existing systems, but if it ultimately creates new pinch points that we don't even have hypotheses around how you root around kind of at the, you know, the networking layer ultimately is, you know, the <laughs> required, uh, you know, to, to make networks work, you need to have some sort of transmission layer. Um, do, do you, do you worry at all about that? And how do you, how do you sort of square that with your optimism that this is kind of going to take us, you know, going to take, take a, a lot of new technology mainstream, including things like Bitcoin? Um, I think what we're seeing the Chinese government adapt to Bitcoin and I think they'll adapt to Nostr in the same way because the benefits outweigh the costs and the risks. Um, uh, it, it might take them a little while to figure it out, but I, I think that they'll, they'll get there. Um, and I think it's, I think it's going to spread in China, um, among primarily among people who already have, who are already technically competent and uh, at least initially the same way that it did, um, with us. Right. But like, um, and then once, but then like the VCs are already starting to get in on it in China. And so once you have money going in at a grassroots level, like it's not like Alibaba level, it's like ground level VCs. Um, mm. once you have enough of that, that's, that's kind of like the, that's, that's a sector of the economy that the Chinese government doesn't want to shut down unless they can really see that it's doing something damaging. Um, um, they, if it grows very quickly, they'll, they'll definitely like pause it for a little bit. They'll try to anyway, to try and get a, get a handle on it. Um, uh, just like they did with, with like, with like uh, shit coins. Um, they shut down the exchanges and stuff. Um, was that for, but that, like, but they, kind of security type regulatory stuff or was that something else they had in mind? That's because like, if you really, if you really, really fuck up in China, um, the government kind of needs to, if a lot, if a large number of people really fuck up, the government needs to kind of bail them out. That's kind of how it works mm. in China. So they, they didn't want that to happen. That's why they shut down the shitcoin trading. Um, they were like, <laughs> yeah. Um, like they would have to um, bail out citizens or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because uh, it's like why? Because because like, the mentality in China is they operate in a safe space because the government is protecting them. Mm. So they can't fuck up too badly. Like they're always going to get fed. They're always going to get housed. They're always going to. If you really fuck up, the government will do something. Um, at least if if like if you're a lone one person, okay, whatever. That's that's no. But like. But if you're talking about like an industry, mm. um, if an entire industry fucks up, the government's going to do something. It's just like kind of like the bailouts in the US, right? Banker bailouts, mm -hmm. except that they do it for like normal people. They, they always do it um, for uh, like if, if that's why they have like, I think, I think they, I don't know too much about the stock markets and stuff, but I think they have like circuit breakers on the stock market and stuff like in China that are like different to the way that the US does it um, because mm. of that situation where like the government is going to have to step in and like make people whole again if they really if a whole sector fucks up um and like yeah so that's why they didn't want people like gambling on shit coins um and they also understood i think that if people who really understand bitcoin they didn't use those exchanges to begin with so they it doesn't affect them Being so they still get vibrant peer-to-peer -peer kind of economy there yeah 
Um, like yes, but but more more so like there's just ways there's just ways to do it. <laughs> I mean, it people who understand Bitcoin find a way to get Bitcoin um, mm-hmm. to to convert their to convert their economic output into Bitcoin. So like, and that's like people in China have have been doing that. And so like the the bans when China banned all the exchanges and stuff, they all, all they did was was shut down the the weak hands. Um, who are going to sell for profit anyway, um, because they're just gambling on it. So uh, I think, I think that they understood that. I think that was part of, part of their rationale in doing that. Um, so they haven't, they haven't stopped Bitcoiners from buying Bitcoin because they, mm-hmm. and that, yeah, like, um, uh, so I mean, yeah, they're still accumulating. Um, I forgot what, why did we, I forgot. I don't know what we're talking oh, we, about just now. We we're kind of talking about, <laughs> I just, yeah, we're talking about kind of <laughs> how um, you've got like the Noster stuff could be shut down in China, could be allowed to go free. And I think you were saying that kind of what happened with VCs getting involved in exchanges and kind of the Web3 crypto uh, kind of train pulled people along and sort of this government kind of bailout thing helped people. Um, and, and maybe it sounds like that that same kind of pattern wouldn't exist, or there's like a lot more maybe what the government might consider as valuable economic output that might happen on Noster. I don't I don't know if that's I don't want to draw your conclusion for you, but I think that's what it sounded like. Maybe we're going toward. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. So I think um I think the fact that that the government can shut down Noster will make them much less nervous about it. Um. It doesn't mean they won't shut it down. Um, um, if it grows quickly, they will shut it. They will shut it down, but then they'll probably figure out that, um, they'll, they'll probably reverse that decision like they've, like they're doing now with Bitcoin. Um, and, um, but I don't think it's going to grow. I think it's, I don't know. I got a feeling like Nostro in China is going to grow at a pretty sustainable rate rather than a really fast, thing mm-hmm. um and it's growing and it's like it's growing it's growing among the use of nostra in china is growing among developers more so than users mm. uh and so you're dealing with very competent people who can build things mm-hmm. and yeah i think it's going to reach a point where it, it's uncontrollable um in terms socially speaking anyway pretty pretty quickly and then it'll just sort of grow from there um in a way where where the government will be kind of like forced to look at it as a resource that they can use rather than a threat that they should shut down. Um, right. Do you, yeah. do you know Especially right you now, because like... You host some meetups, right? Around around town where you're... Yeah. Are you meeting other Nostra developers around there? Or what do those look like? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, meeting other Nostra developers around Hong Kong. Um, and, and a lot of them are from China, from, from the mainland. Um it's a, it's a very, it's, it's a very pragmatic approach that they generally take of like, so like the, in the general Nostra community now, it's like the developers are, are more like, um, having fun, right? Um, mm-hmm. doing it for fun. Um, uh, the, 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 the Chinese developers, um, who I see building things on Nostra are more like, are more like it's fun, but also, but the re- the reason, to do it is because 
this opportunity hasn't been around for, for them before. It's a super app that they can build on without permission. Mm-hmm. Um, um, They're and, very and, familiar with the concept of the super app, but the centralized ones, and they they can see the patterns of sort of the the analogies here, but a more open one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they can see that they can see that there's potential here to make money from it as well to to be self sufficient by building things on Nostra. Um, and so that's that's always factoring in at the same time. Um, whereas yeah, I, I wondered think, that how whereas how I much think people. In, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, whereas I think like um, to date um, in the in sort of like um, on on Nostra in general to date, um, it hasn't been. I haven't really run into people who are, who are thinking about profit or making money off Nostra. It's more it's more like just doing it for fun. I mean, like there was no like a year ago there was definitely no potential, right? It was like it was mm-hmm. just that it was really cool and and the community is cool and like yeah. But um, and now, now we're starting to see it a little bit, right? But it's like but China seems to have just discovered it this year, and so they're entering it at the phase where this can make this can make money. This is a viable platform to do business on um, if you build the right thing. Do you think most people are convinced that these are that there are businesses to be built, or are people still kind of just you know hacking around, experimenting, having fun? Or do you think people are kind of really looking for businesses to be built here? They're looking for businesses businesses to, to be built, um, and they're looking for funding and, and stuff like. That. It's a much more. I'm speaking about China specifically. Mm-hmm. It's a much more. It's a much more like Silicon Valley startup approach um, mm. in China um, towards Nostra than it is um, than than like what we're used to in Nostra. Mm-hmm. And do you think there's like advice you would give them about how to approach it that might be different than what like the sort of hyper growth startup model that's familiar in kind of Silicon Valley or maybe the the mainland China you know ecosystem um, probably has a bunch of you know, kind of playbooks that have been developed over the years, but the, anything, it doesn't feel like any of that stuff really applies in the way people are building on Noster today. And I wonder like, is there, do you have any advice for people who want to build and want to build commercially, but, you know, sort of how to approach it in a way that, you know, they won't sort of be rejected from the main places they should be trying to connect? I think that the only way to learn these things is by doing it and fucking up a little bit. And, um, and if you'd learn it and like, if firstly, I don't want to influence them because <laughs> like, I want them to do their own way and see what happens, but like, cause they may find like a totally different way of doing things. And, um, um, but like, but more, but like more importantly, like, like what's the point of giving someone advice because, um, most people don't listen. So, <laughs> Like you, they've got to try it. They've got to try it themselves, and then see why. And yeah, like I don't know. Like you can, you can give. I sometimes give people advice for some things, but then like I don't know. I could be wrong anyway, so I don't really want to. I don't really want to. Um, if I see something really, really, really like, like okay, I tell people, um, you'll go people who are new to Bitcoin uh, or new to the concept. Um, I tell them, um, like you will go through a shitcoin phase and you'll regret it, but there's nothing I can say <laughs> to stop it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like, but when you throw it, when, when you throw it, we can chat. <laughs> right. Um, um, 
But if yeah. somebody's, let's um, say somebody's heard, so like, heard about Noster and maybe likes the principles of what they've heard about how it works, but they don't yet know really what to do with it. Do you, do you just sort of recommend, oh, get get on and start interacting with people? Or should you, is there a, a canonical Hello World application that people should build? Or should they start with NDK and then sort of build something of a Hello World where their messages pulled off of multiple relays or what's sort of the, what's sort of the first way to get involved? Uh, if there are like a normal person, then just like install Damus or Amethyst um, and start like talk, start messing around. Um, um, but then um, uh, if you're a developer, then, then yeah, I'd, I'd say like, well, I think developers generally don't need any advice because they can figure it out. But um, I'd say, I'd say like NDK. Yeah. Um, but, but there's no, I don't think there's no example application yet, but I think, Je- I think Jeff and Pablo will have something pretty soon. Um, so, so like I'd say like, yeah, NDK is probably the way to go. Um, um, Fiat Jeff is really good at making libraries that break all the time and which mm-hmm. like prompts people to do something better. So like it's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a good, um, Kind of a little shim it's a good, there uh, that people can build on. Yeah, I mean, like it it demonstrates what you can do, and it like makes it easy to get started. And then, um, and also like you know, he wasn't building these things for. There's like a, there's an adoption curve. The first, I don't know, like because like what because like when I the first thing I when I first started playing with Nostal, like there were no libraries, and you needed, and I just. There was a um, vanilla JavaScript example of how to connect to a relay using WebSockets, like just using the normal um, um, WebSocket API exposed in the browser. And so, like that was that was at I guess the one end of the of the or towards towards one end of the adoption curve. And then now we have like libraries that are awesome. Uh, we have NDK and even FiatJust stuff like isn't too bad. So like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, I love I love FiatJeff. It's it's really fun to like to tease to tease VHF, um, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, and 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 like uh, yeah, I don't think there's any advice to give to um, to developers who are already like developers. I'd say like for for people who want to be a developer who aren't a develop who aren't like don't really have any experience yet, um, then like I also don't really know what to tell them because. Other than the only thing I'd say is like, don't learn, don't learn anything for the sake of learning it. Like there's no point to learn how to write code because you want to learn how to write code. It's like, that's kind of silly. Like, like identify a problem that you want to solve Mm. or something that you want to build and then figure out the easiest way to do it. And that will lead you on the path to, to like how you like to learning and you'll learn actually like way faster that way anyway. Um, and so that path, I think, will involve for most people will involve um, NDK or or maybe um, or maybe um, the Rust. There's a good Rust library and there's a half decent GoLang library. So, but it depends like what you want to build exactly. But I think most people are going to be building stuff for the browser, and so yeah, NDK is going to be the way to do that for sure. Right. See, you do have some good advice uh, for people here. You just, uh, I think you, you fit the pattern of, um, I think one of the things you, you returned to a lot when we first talked about Nostrocket was really 
can you set the goal well? Like, what's the what's the goal of trying to do? What's the purpose of this segment? And in the same way, you're kind of saying like, get get excited about something. Like, what do you want to accomplish? And then figure out the tools to do it instead of play with the tools to try to figure out the goal. Yeah. What problem? What problem do you want to solve, and for who? And um and like, what's is it a real problem? Firstly, and then um. Does anybody care about it? Secondly, and you find out you find out the second part pretty quickly when you release something and you see if anyone cares about it and uses it or not. But um, yeah, I guess also like I don't know. Some, you also just get excited about just an idea that you want to build, which is also perfectly valid, um, even if it's not solving a real problem. But it's still like fun. So yeah, um, I, mean, I guess the problem is the... that you're bored. Yeah, with all of the stuff uh, going on, it seems like there's a bunch of people who take the approaches of just building little hack projects here and there. Um, I wonder, sort of, have you? Do you find yourself drawn to that approach of like things that are maybe not within the mission of what you hope to accomplish long term, but that are just might be little fun things? Do you do those kinds of hacks, or is that not not really in your style of work? Um, I try to actively avoid that as much as possible. It's very attractive to do that, but like, but then it just always detracts from like the real goal, which is, which is like making Bitcoin, um, accelerating the process of, 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 um, of fixing the world so that we can get mm-hmm. it done in time before, yeah. before we run into problems. Get it done in time. Um, but the, yeah, <laughs> we're on, we're on a, uh, the clock is ticking, and I, yeah. and I and I don't know how fast it's ticking, but it's definitely ticking. 